I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones to try to find the sweetest spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me on the other line, lounging, feet up in the satellite branch in scenic Hamilton, Ontario, it is your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. I'm funny. <laughs> she is funny. I have, I have to lecture her to be less funny when the mics are off. I said, save all that funny for when the mics are on. The people want to hear that funny. Friends, yeah. this is episode 199 V for, I don't know, my Veep is black or vacate the premises, fucko, whatever one you want to go with. Vendetta. Vendetta. <laughs> See, like I said, she's funny. Episode 199 V for Vendetta. But even though it's Crapathon, we're not talking about V for Vendetta. We're talking about other things. We're going to get into that later. Friends, if you want to hear any of our other 199 episodes or any of our other episode 199s, because that's all they are until the world settles, which maybe, maybe is a thing we can maybe entertain the idea that it might happen. Maybe. maybe. Possibly. But until Possibly. such time. Hey, hey, hmm. hey. Hmm. Cautiously optimistic. Cautiously. Oh my God, Caitlin, it's the return of cautious, cautious optimism. <laughs> Oh my God! It is. I actually feel it. <laughs> you can feel you can feel it in your bones, friends. If you want to hear all of our flagrant despair and cautious optimism, go wherever you get your audio content: Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher. Yeah. Give us a follow, subscribe. Daps. We love a good dap. Do we though? Yes, we do. All right. <laughs> I gotta I gotta take note of these things. And henceforth, whenever new episodes of this program are delivered to the airwaves, they will be delivered to you like magic by your mans. Chauncey Frostilicus III, geek down internet elf and oh. representative. <laughs> oh, girl, he's in line for a cabinet position in 2021. Best <laughs> believe. He's here to drop those episodes directly into your device. You don't have to do anything. Because you don't want to do anything, you just want to exhale because you've been holding your breath for the last five years. <laughs> Feels good, don't we it? Already said, we already discussed this, 35, the last <laughs> 35 years. <sighs> if you want Time is relative, Jordan. <laughs> if anybody knows that, it's you. <laughs> Friends, if you want to let us know how you're basking, because we don't have to vacate Twitter, <laughs> come get at us at GeekdownPod. Let us know how you're internalizing processing your trauma of the last uh, five years 35 years and uh yeah that's mostly where we hang out there's no reason to ever go back to facebook i don't think not for nothing I, I, I don't know. not for nothing low-key it was kind of a spoken agreement that i would uh leave facebook promotion to kate yeah and then i forgot <laughs> it just don't ha it just don't happen anymore and you know what it's had zero impact on our listener numbers yeah, I think there's like the two. There are two people who like when I post things. No, maybe three people when I post things about Geek Down. It's my mom <laughs> and two friends of the show. Mm. So uh, yeah, I don't really think we're having an impact. 
I don't think you're reach. I don't know. I don't think sometimes, we're getting the reach we want uh, out of you, Zuckerberg. Sometimes I, I'm like, maybe I'll take it up again and do like, you know, one of those ads. Promote it. But yeah, promote it. But then I'm like, ah, oh, I've got typing homework. <laughs> Well, friends, if you want to, like, donate to this endeavor financially, because, I don't know, you're just feeling wild, you're on that post-election high, and you got money to burn, we don't encourage it, but, I mean, we'd appreciate it, always. Take some of that money to, I don't know, promote Facebook posts. Hit us up at ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. Buy us a coffee. You could do that. Three bucks. <laughs> Three bucks. We should do alternatives like hot apple cider. It's becoming the season. You wouldn't know it by looking outside this weekend, but... But yeah, it is. Well, see, this is my problem with this type of weather this time of year. I'm like, this is amazing. It's 21 in Hamilton. It's always slightly warmer in Hamilton than it is in Toronto. I don't know why. If you're a meteor- meteorologist, let me know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it's, so it's like 21 in Hamilton. Um, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And then there's another voice that's like, no, this is not global warming. This is climate change, y'all. Um, yeah, I, and I mean, again, it's fun, but it's also weird. Like I left the house yesterday for no reason. I was like, I have no reason to leave the house right now. I'm just, but I'm just leaving the house by myself. Cause if I don't, I will regret it. So I just went, yeah. hung out with the homie Hisa and chopped it up for a couple hours, flipped some records, spent $0 and just came home. So, I mean, it's fun to be out at this time of year in a sweatshirt and nothing else, but also you will be reminded of how weird it is because it still gets dark at 4.30, so. Oh, my gosh. Yesterday, was I was so sad. We went on this lovely walk in the Grimsby area of Ontario. The Grimsby area. Like the Grimsby area. Um, there's this whole little community that they have these wild painted cottages. Uh, they're called the Painted Ladies, and they're just like, you. you I can't even describe it. The, the community's been there since, like, 1827 or something. Um, they had this old-ass bell. It was basically, they had a plaque. It was my dream. Um, and beautiful area, beautiful little houses. And then it started getting dark real quick. And I was like, oh, my gosh, have we been on this walk for three, <laughs> three hours? No, we've been on the walk for, like, 45 minutes. Yeah, I was, um, I had to, so this will dovetail into, I mean, the only thing probably worth talking about this week um i was you know soaking up and reading all the coverage and whatnot on saturday morning and realizing that like you know i had wanted to get out i knew it was going to be nice weather and and obviously my mood improved greatly in the morning (laughs) so i was like it was like it was like one o'clock and i still wanted to like you know shave my head and, and you know dawdle on my way out and i was like i don't know if you got time to dawdle it's gonna get dark in like three hours man like If you want to enjoy some sunshine, you need to get your ass moving. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was talking to a friend who is American, and we were just we, had, we hadn't spoken in a while, and we were swapping DMs on Instagram, and then just out of nowhere, she was like, "Oh, hey, our election just got called." And I mean, after you know, refreshing New York Times for four days, I did not expect Saturday to be the day any developments happened. And yeah, I opened the page and, you know, because I'm not just going to, I don't care who you are. If you're my friend or you're not my friend, I'm not taking anybody's word at anything anymore. <laughs> well, I'm going to vet everything I hear with a trusted news source. <laughs> it's just how this, this world has been. So 
I went over to New York Times and opened that, and yeah, I saw the 72-point serif font saying, just Biden beats Trump, and... What a twist! The world just felt like it exhaled. Yeah. I love how they were like, Prime Minister won't say anything on presidential election. I'm like, yeah, because he's not a dumb fuck. Because <laughs> he wants to be like, I do not want Trump to win. Um, and I mean... I have, I mean, many, many things to get off my soul, none of which will be easily summarized in the scope of a, you know, silly hour-long podcast about nerdship. But, like, I can cop to being one of the people who was foolish enough in 2016 to think that Fucko couldn't do that much damage. That the institution was too strong to really... You know, allow him. He would talk a bunch of shit, and he would go and hold his rallies, and he would get, you know, fervor whipped up among the populace. But when it came down to actual policy and things that were done, I just thought, you know, it's America. That institution is too strong. I did not expect uh, people like Lindsey Graham to develop such a proficiency for bootlicking. I didn't expect toadish gremlins like Mitch McConnell to just... abandon all principles if it meant they could appoint federal judges like and that the like parade of enablers would just allow this man to do whatever the fuck he felt like as the wind moved him and like I know I I had two problems going into this election season one were the people the harder leftists who were like there's no difference between Biden and Trump. It's just another white guy. You know, they wanted Bernie. They wanted Elizabeth Warren. Okay, cool. I get it. But, you know, it's like David Sedaris said. If you're, it's like being on a plane and the choice is between chicken or dog shit embedded with broken glass. And your concern is, was the chicken ethically sourced? That's really what we were dealing with here. And coupled with just the people who are just like outright like voting is a conspiracy to begin with. I'd see like the... I go down a weird rabbit hole sometimes and see how they're really feeling. And they're posting up memes of like, drink the floor. I got the vaccine. Now I'm ready to vote master. And it's like, whoa, it's, it's like that out there. Apparently it is. Here's what I know. I know that come January, America is going right back to the world health organization. It's going right back to the Paris climate accords. And maybe we're going to take those fucking kids out of cages. That's a pretty good fucking start where I'm at. We hope, but he's already he's already said he's got he's like day one. It's like executive orders undoing all that shit. Yes, obviously, but then all the stuff that has to do with the Senate. Well, yes, this idea that the president can just be like, nope, Senate, and that's not how it works. Um, So, so Georgia, if you're out there, (laughs) (laughs) you got a runoff coming, and you can register by December. Something fifteenth or something. I don't know. Google Stacey Abrams. She got all the information for you. Shouts to that woman, by the way. Lost a gubernatorial race and then spent the next two years registering like nearly a million unregistered voters for the presidential election. Shouts to her. I mean, listen, is no nobody I don't expect politicians to be heroes or saviors, which is I mean, one difference between you know, the average Trump voter and a regular person. 
You saying Trump people aren't regular? No, I'm not. And processing the trauma of the last four years, not just from the dipshit who sat in the Oval Office, but just in general, you know. Chappelle hosted SNL last night. Um, and he also hosted SNL four years ago when Trump got elected. And I think he summed it up very nicely. He said he, said he got a call from a friend who lives in London after the results were announced. And he said... The friend said, you know, the world just feels so much safer now. And he's like, cool. America doesn't. Yeah, there are bigger problems. And Joe's probably too much of an establishment Democrat to really push any progressive agendas on those fronts. I mean, he's one of the co-authors of the 94 crime bill. Like, both of them are not great on things like police reform, which is where a lot of the work on dismantling systemic racism probably needs to come from. So that ain't great. But you know what? I don't have to wake up every day worried about what stupidity, you know, just you don't have to worry about, is he going to gaff? Is he going to stumble over his words? Is he going to daughter a bit? Probably. He's like 76. That's going to happen. But he's also probably not going to flagrantly promote and incite violence. That's a plus. I mean, <laughs> that's, also the idea Kate, that that's the floor. He, that's the floor we're working with here. Like, can you just not incite violence on a daily basis? That would be preferred. But, but there's also the idea that, like, he worked in the Senate for years. Years and years and years. He has a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of experience with the process. I mean, Obama, like, the, one of the reasons they became such good friends is because Obama involved him in, like, every decision because he needed his experience. Um, which, yeah, he's older, but there is something to be said for, for wisdom and for bringing two sides that are diametrically opposed together. And I mean, look, and I, that's I think probably people no people are not going to like this, but it probably is going to mean a lot of give and take. Um, because I think people really want this like super leftist, like socialist reform. They want. I don't think it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, they want the Democrats uh, to go as scorched earth as the Republicans have gone, and yeah. Democrats unfortunately just aren't built for that. Well, I also think they they can't do that because when they go socialist there's still such this like paranoia and misinformation about like socialism and communism and what social socialized medicine means literally means that you bring up those words and they just have like they're just like apoplectic like they just lose <laughs> their shit because uh, they're like well we're gonna go so. communist and so you we, they have to be more centrist because um, if they're going to gain more Senate seats in two years, they can't alienate their voter base. Um, and it's really sad. What they need to do is invest in education and more information in the communities. And that will help a lot with informing people about things like universal medicine and, and Medicare and stuff. So, it's a very complicated situation, and I'm worried that if people don't see the results that they want immediately, hmm. they're going to be like, oh, it's a disaster. And it's 
just it's more complicated also there's all the like you were saying all the undoing of what has been done in four years the damage that has been done and that's like so slate had done they must have written all of these you know a while back but it was basically a series they had on their on their site called goodbye trump world and it was like they had different writers write essentially goodbye letters to figures from the trump administration everyone from Ivanka to Melania to Stephen Miller to Bill Barr to Mark Meadows to Kaylee McEnany, like all of them. And you read some of these. They're not very long. Um, but it doesn't take much to just recite the litany of just foul that has emanated in all respects. Like Bill Barr and Stephen Miller. Or Stephen Miller alone, you repugnant little imp, like just... <laughs> Your 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 vile hatred of anything that is not white or did not meet whatever metric you ascribe to a real American and weaseled your way in. He's the only one who survived four years who wasn't related to him. Hmm. <laughs> what, does that, a, what does that tell you? Um, when you just read all just the, the level of foul that just emanated through every corner of that administration and compare that with like, I had to delay recording today y'all. Cause Kate was like ready when you are. And Twitter wanted to show me a video of Biden appearing at a funeral for a teacher who had been killed in a school shooting. And he speaks with their parents and he goes to turn away and he hears a voice and he like whips his head back. And it's the teacher's son who I believe has, has down syndrome and he runs over to Biden and he's like, basically, I wanted a hug. And Biden hugs him and gives him a kiss on the forehead and is like, he's like, how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you okay? And the kid just shakes his head no, because obviously he's not. He's like, yeah, I know. We're going to be okay. I promise you. Basic. Okay, you're not allowed to do that because now I'm crying. But uh, take a moment while the siren blares by. But Yeah, it's blaring because it's like, is Caitlin okay? Jordan's making her cry. But, Caitlin, I started fucking crying, too, because just that fucking basic empathy. I don't give a fuck if Biden dawdles or forgets what he's saying or doesn't realize what state he's in. The fucking ogre you had in that office for the last four years is in-fucking-capable of that. He can't even fake it. He can't even fake it. That kid's a loser. I guarantee you. In his mind, that kid's a loser. His dad's a loser for getting killed. That's his mindset. That's what you wanted. And frankly, don't feel too good about yourself, America, because it's what, you know, 60 million. I don't know the exact voting totals, but I know he got more votes in the popular vote than he did in 2016. You know, it shouldn't have even been that close. Yeah, that was pretty. I mean, for me, it was sort of like after Clinton, Trump, I didn't really know I wasn't holding my breath if that makes any sense like I I was like whatever happens happens like well we talked about it last week right whatever happens happens like <laughs> this is it's not our we can't do anything I and mean, we can encourage American friends and family to vote but other than that um so you know there is that the concern about him being in office just like the rest of the world right um and then being I would say in terms of country relations, 
a sibling, right? Um, this is not the, you know, uh, we're not dealing with Morocco here. Hey. We're dealing with our closest neighbor you, and you know what it is, Kate? Trading partner. You know what it is? What? what? I don't know. Who moved into Crazy Town Banana Pants' apartment down in Unit 8? Yeah. I don't know a thing about her. I know she's quiet. I know yeah. maybe, I know, you know, she slams her door a little bit when she leaves. Maybe a little loudly. But you know what? She's not screaming, let the bodies hit the floor and smashing shit around her apartment while she's drunk. That's what we're dealing yeah. with. That's how Canadians it view America. Like, <laughs> it makes a difference. Um... So we can't do anything about the boat, uh, except for what I said. Uh, and we see it in terms of, like, this would make our, our lives collectively as humans better. Um, but anything that happens will happen. I was not, like you said, expecting how much of the popular vote, how close it would be. Now, some people are like, well, you know, it's like you know, millions apart. I'm like, ah, it means nothing in the United States. <laughs> That's they have three hundred million. Um and I was talking to senior correspondent about this, who he's a uh American history buff. Like he knows a lot about American history, about how things have gotten to this place. Um he's a he's a, a student of 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 history and circumstance and, and how things are how they are. Um, and he said racism. I was like, because I was like, how do, like how are these people voting for Trump? And he's oh. like, the, the racism. It's racism. It's still, the power of racism. Still a banner year for white supremacy. Do not get it twisted. Like yeah, and and that's the the thing that's really scary. And I'm a white lady who lives in Canada, and I'm scared. Well, you gotta you gotta come get your aunties because the white ladies done did it again. I know, <laughs> and that's that's another another thing that's very upsetting. White women, white women, and well, I mean, <laughs> white, we white men in general like are just upsetting, but yeah, but white women and just yeah, and like there's this weird thing going around. So I I'm I have like a bunch of stuff on Facebook uh, for there's like um, women in engineering and women. I'm a big feminist. We all know this. So I have a bunch of feministy things on my Facebook. <laughs> and people were like congratulating Kamala Harris. And, you know, besides what you may think of her and her policies and her history, it is something to be said for a woman to be elected as vice president and a woman of color. Um, and there are all these women who were like, oh, well, she slept her way to the top. Excuse me? And I was like, What? bullshit is this and all these people are like really <laughs> like this is you came here for this they're like that's not very like women united and people were like how how do you what and that sort of conspiracy theorist craziness thing is still so insidious and like I mean, permeates look all of that side. An open QAnon supporter got elected to Congress this election. Yeah. Part of her platform. And she's already started going after, you know, establishment Republicans. Who's the who's the dude with the eye patch? Dan Crenshaw, I think his name is. Her first move was started yipping at him. I was like, oh my god, they're turning on each other. This is amazing. 
eat each other, eat each other. But yeah, like, um, I, no one I think is making the argument that like everything's okay now. It's not, but it's a point I've clumsily made to Caitlin off mic before. And I'm probably butchering a point that I heard, uh, David plots on the slate political gab fest. Cause I'm that person. Um, make just about the idea that like federal politics should not be a constant hum in the back of your head for the average person. No, you want to, you know, I'm not saying don't be political, but I'm saying if you want to be political, you're concerned, you should be in your own community. You shouldn't have to worry about, you know, dipshit having some weird hand alpha male handshake with the prime minister of France. Like, you shouldn't have to wake up every day and worry about what the fuck did he tweet or do now. Like, we don't have to hear this man again. We don't. We don't have to hear his stupid voice. He can go and siphon himself off in the world of conservative media and progressively lose his mind over there away from me and away from you and away from most people listening to this podcast until his desiccated corpse finally withers away. <laughs> Him and Rudy can just hang out there and yell, did you see the fucking press conference? I did not because, you know what, Jordan? I'm taking a break. No, take a break. I fully concur that. I just mean the circumstances of the press conference. I just saw a picture of, like, the saddest press conference on Earth. Yeah. Like in a parking lot of a hardware store or something. Yeah, because despite, despite my best intentions... Schadenfreude is real. I was like, I gotta know. I gotta know what delusion he's spouting. And first of all, if you go to his Twitter account, it's all just blocks at this point. <laughs> it's all just like, this tweet's been flagged, this tweet's been flagged, this tweet's been flagged. Which, sidebar, media, don't suck your own dicks too hard for the cojones you've grown in the past, like, three weeks. Where were you in 20, yes. like, 16? Where were you four years ago? Not even 2016. Where were you in 2015? Where were you a year ago? Like, it took like two and it wasn't until like 2018 where like the New York Times like wrung their hands for six months over the whether or not they were going to use the word lied about something the president clearly lied about. Now they're just letting it fly all over the place. Anderson Cooper's out there calling him like an obese turtle flailing in the sun on his back. Like, okay. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was really good. Cool. We really all love good. this, but you know what? There's a time for impartiality and acknowledging fascism is maybe not the time to try and weigh both sides. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know, fascism hey, when you see it. As we always say in Canada, you should punch Nazis. <laughs> always punch Nazis. Always si punch Nazis. Side sidebar. This is the reason why I will never care about Canadian politics or like our scandals. Do you think I care if Sophie Trudeau took some extra cash for speaking fees from the We Found organization in the middle of a pandemic? Conservatives, calm down. <laughs> Aaron O'Toole, calm down. Nobody gives a shit. I mean, I I still think it's important to care about corruption, but I think there are other the Caitlin, concerns that's like, my, like getting clean drinking water yeah. to the indigenous. And on the scale of corruption, that's like baby's first corruption. Like, maybe this is just me being so scarred from the degree of graft that has occurred from our downstairs neighbors. But like, okay, Sophie, you like... You pulled a couple leather levers and you got a hundred grand from charity. Do I want a government to fall over it? No. Fuck off. Figure out the coronavirus. Like also, Aaron O'Toole's the worst. He is the worst. All you friends, if you're not in Canada, um, our version of you know a Republican 
is the conservative party. And their current leader is a uh, doughy white boy named Aaron O'Toole who got one. So we're, you know, more party based, parliamentary based. So there's a, you're not voting, you're voting for a party more than the person. Um, but like, as he won the leadership of his party, his, you know, slogan, what he ran on the back of, what was it? Take Canada back. Yeah, and so like, back from what? Back from, back, every Native person was like, back from who? Um, <laughs> They're like, because we might be able to get on board with this <laughs> if it's back from white people. And it's like, that's so, like, a squint. That's so, like, make America great again just through squinty eyes. Like, don't. So there is a, there is a. I don't, I never did really watch, um, how I met your mother. Mm. Um, but I have seen like clips of, uh, I can't even remember the character's name, but Barney. she's Canadian. Oh no, Rob, no, Robin, 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 her name's Robin. And but... they, they find out that she was actually a Canadian pop star in the eighties. Yes. Robin Sparkles. Um, yeah. And people, but no, no, in the nineties or sorry, in the early nineties. And Robin Sparkle, and it's based off of, I can't remember her name, but it's the, I think we're alone now. Tiffany, that yeah. Girl. Tiffany, yeah. She performed um, in malls and, and shit. So, yeah, so she has this, like, video where she's in a mall, and it's the songs Let's Go to the Mall, which yeah. is based off of a Tiffany song. It was beautiful. And someone, and again, this is, like, in the early 90s, and one of the, the characters says, why does it look like the 80s and she's like oh the 80s didn't come to canada until 1993 that is like it does you guys don't even understand like that is such a amazing joke because it's true we like we'll really like something and we'll be like oh i'm sure they won't mind if we borrow it but it's like years later and never quite as good and that's uh canadian conservatives trying to you know, piggyback on a vague, not quite as flagrantly uh, vile form of Trumpism, but I mean, really, white supremacy is white supremacy. Um, all that is to say, this has been a lot of political talk for a goofy podcast about nerdship, but you know, important day. The problems are not done, but the point is to get somebody you can actually hold accountable. You know. The point is to get Joe in there so you can step on his neck about the things that matter. That's for, for all of our sake, America start the real work, which begins now. Cause it heals the rest of us. It really does. I just, mm-hmm. I know. Like, also, let's all work together to get rid of COVID. Anyway, uh, there's no news to talk about. The only thing I had mentioned to Kate before we recorded was like Johnny Depp is stepping down as uh, Grindelwald. But do I really want to talk about a franchise that makes money for the turf or talk about another white guy who's done dumb shit? Not today, I don't. Wow. No. And Kate's probably probably in agreement on that. <laughs> but I feel like it should be mentioned. I woke up the day after the election. I was working early mornings. And... So I woke up at like, you know, 10 after three and I knew probably nothing would have changed, but I opened Twitter, went to the like explore tab, you know, the trending tab, let me know what's happening. And I said, what the fuck's a Destile? <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to work that morning and we were talking about, you know, the election and voting the electoral college and all that stuff. And I was just like, all very good topics, coworkers. 
someone explained to me what happened on Supernatural, and some my co-lead like threw her tools down and went, I don't even watch the show anymore. <laughs> but oh my god. And I was like, did something gay become canon? This feels like something gay became canon. That's 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 a yes. There's a celebratory like hum in the air <laughs> when something gay becomes canon. But then because you can't ever have nice things, it's never really fulfilled. So apparently, so Supernatural, which is a show on, I believe, I don't even know where it started. I feel like Supernatural just formed in the, you know, primeval ooze of culture. It's just always been here. It's been as long for as long as that last president was in office for, and then some. It's it's the only thing that feels like it's been here longer. Um, (laughs) So 45 years. Yeah. um, About, and I I know number one fan Kira has, is a recent, I believe recent uh, convert to supernatural super fandom so she's probably going to scream the entire time i try to discuss this i'm sure while you butcher this oh yeah and then she's just the the show dm page is just lighting up right now the episode hasn't even hit the internet yet but she just knows (laughs) just flooding she feels a tingle she's flooding the show dms I did look up a BuzzFeed article about this and this has to do with one of the main characters of the two the two twins the winchesters is that what they are Yes, I right, because the fans that always want them to make want the brothers to make out, they call it wincest. Oh, fan. ew! Oh yeah, what the oh, yeah. hell? Caitlin, don't ever go on Tumblr, just for your own. Okay, okay. just for your own, my own innocence, your own sanity. Yeah, you're so <laughs> you're so blessed. Just never change, <laughs> never change, kids. Stay off Tumblr. Um, <laughs> but part of the like, you know, fanfic queer baiting type of stuff that happened on this show had to do with the one one of the brothers, Dean. And this angel named Castile. Those are two details I know about it. Castile admitted in the most recent episode of Supernatural that he loved Dean. And then before Dean even got a chance to react, Castile got dragged to hell. (gasps) (laughs) Oh, oh, they are not going to be happy about that. They're they're not. (laughs) Oh, I'm not happy about that. What am I saying? Um, I don't like that. So, yeah. It's a real... Again, I haven't seen it. I don't know any of the context. Is it technically barrier gaze? Probably. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely is. But, I mean, when you have 57 years of a program now to rewatch through the lens of this character being in love with another one, or even if in love. He didn't say in love. He just said he loved him. Um, yeah. It, you you want to watch an entire fandom collectively rip their own shirt and fall to the ground on their – fall to their knees <laughs> screaming in the rain? That's what this, That's what this was. That's so sad. <laughs> so, Kira, you got to let me know. You got to let me know how you're feeling about this. Let us know. I'll even go to Twitter for like the first time in two years <laughs> to just see what Kira has to say about this. So that's the one thing that was worth uh, was worth talking about. Also, Caitlin was very excited to tell me about her dream. Oh yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to think of a name for Kira. She's our transcontinental uh, a correspondent. She's the international correspondent? Yeah, yeah, she's an international correspondent. All right. You've, you've been titled, yeah. young lady. Yeah, yeah. You've been... I, I wish I had some way to, like, tonight you. So I'll, put, I'll put a drop in here to, to formally, formally commemorate it. Bong. <laughs> And now you all get to hear about my dream. Yeah. Caitlin was very amped to tell me about her dream. So tell me about your dream, Caitlin. 
Um, so this is my dream. Um, part of my dream was so I in when I sleep in on the weekends, um, I have a tendency to like wake up a couple times, but then I'm able to go back to sleep because I have endometriosis, and my body's like, oh no, you don't. We're not getting up. Um, so I was thinking about how I have to get up, but um, Chris and I have this thing where. I am better in the mornings, he's better in the evenings, so we help each other out. And then on the weekends, though, he makes us breakfast. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking in my head about the show and timelines and breakfast. And the first part of the dream was um, asking Chris if he knew how to if test eggs, if they were still good or not. Put them in water. Um, egg- yes, and if they float to the top, they're not good, don't eat them. Um, I dodged that and... bullet last weekend, actually. Oh, there you go. You... I'm like, see, we're informing the public. Gems, y'all, gems. Yep. Um, and then, and then there was some other squiggly bit, and then all of a sudden, you and I were doing the podcast in my dream, but we had a third person. I don't know her name. Oh. oh. She was like a mix of like three different people I know. <laughs> she was our like producer. We had a producer? Um, yeah, we had a producer. You mean and someone who I could just walk never... away from this endeavor after it's done recording and not have to think about it again? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. She was very nice. Um, and I had brought you a gift. I don't know what the gift was, but I, like, barely wrapped it. I'm guessing it was a record, but I actually don't know. <laughs> so I, like, barely wrapped it. And I, like, threw it at you. I was like, here. <laughs> and you are like, oh, thanks. Why are you so mad at me? Yeah. Why are you also why what is this gift for? Um and then she gave me this beautiful like handmade card and I felt really bad because I didn't have a gift for her. I don't know why I brought you a gift, not her. She's our producer. She's probably amazing. Um and that was the whole dream. Me being really feeling really guilty about not bringing her anything and her giving me this beautiful card that was just like like, I love working with you. Thanks so much for the opportunity. And, like, yeah. Well, God damn so it, Caitlin. That, that's why we don't have a producer now. <laughs> I know, because I didn't bring her a hastily wrapped gift. Um, she wasn't mad about it in the dream. I just felt really guilty. And I don't know why you got a gift and she didn't. Well, because I'm, I wasn't expecting because I'm amazing. That's why. Uh, I, guess, I guess. Maybe I was trying to just, like... You know, when you throw an animal food <laughs> to try and, like, keep them happy. He's, like, throwing you an album. Can't have Maybe me. I found some J-pop. Can't have me getting fussy. Yeah, right? Uh, but, yeah, that was my dream. And then my alarm went off. Good dream talk. It's funny you talk about records. Uh, somebody cute re- recently asked me, um, why do you spend so much money on records? And I was like, I mean, they're like, oh, uh. <laughs> really, the, the only good, clear answer is I have a problem. <laughs> That's oh, Kate. I didn't buy a single thing when I went out last weekend or yesterday. <gasps> I guess that was yesterday. Is it because you're saving up for <laughs> <laughs> food, for whatever HMV Japan has to like throw at you over the next two months? <laughs> Oh, my God. My 12-inch from Montreal completed its vacation in New Brunswick, and it's apparently on its way back to me. Thanks, Canada Post. <laughs> Thanks for sending it. Hey, maybe it. it needed the tunnel.
time to decompress, okay? Who, who, who among us doesn't need a week out in Labrador? Oh, I didn't need a week, though. I can tell you how I decompressed. Mm. Also, it's the only thing I have updates about. Okay. Yeah. What is it? Except for the well, Mandalorian, but there's no updates with the Mandalorian. What it you, is. What do you mean there's no updates for the Mandalorian? Okay, well, what are the updates for the Mandalorian? I mean, they had a second episode. You have nothing to say about it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right, go. You're five episodes of what? Uh, five episodes in a row. And I see I could only do this being, ha- having that exhale, having that calm, uh, like, base uh, to to watch this from five episodes in a row of Law and Order Criminal Intent. Okay, so here's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll put our business out there. Caitlin and I now share a Prime account. Yeah. So I have not started my own profile because as established, Caitlin is just like screwing Bezos over eight ways from Sunday and like has 19 people on her <laughs> Amazon Prime account. So there's like a mm-hmm. full like screen of profiles when I log in. <laughs> So it's like, am I, am I going to add to this? No, I'll just use Caitlin's. And I remembered her previously saying that, like, maybe the housemates were watching, like, Utopia or something. And I thought she had, because when I logged in and said, oh, continue watching Utopia. And she's like, no, that's somebody else on the account. So when I logged in to watch the thing I had for this week and saw the first thing was, would you like to continue watching Law & Order Criminal Intent? <laughs> I was like... Is that her? Was that her? I don't know. Oh. Why oh, yeah, yeah. Why criminal intent, Caitlin? Criminal intent is the one that never really made sense to me because I never knew what D'Onofrio's deal was. Okay. So D'Onofrio continues his journey of playing weird characters. I don't know if it's because D'Onofrio is just a weirdo or because he got pegged that way because of Full Metal Jacket. Like, I don't know whether it was the cart before the horse or the horse. But like, I don't know how this worked. I'm guessing it's just because D'Onofrio is a weirdo, <laughs> which is fine with. Um, uh, I like this one because it there are several different types of mysteries. And usually Law and Order is they find a victim, and then they have to find the criminal or what happened. Uh, and you're not really sure. Whereas in criminal intent, you see the murder happen. Or you, you, you yeah, you see the murder happen. And um, it's about how do they figure out that person is the murderer. Or how do they basically close in on them. Um, and D'Onofrio, as you... I don't know how late this is in the series. I don't know. I I just remember some vague reference to him kind of being basically a sociopath, but using his powers for good. Well, okay. So this is the thing. Every time I did watch the show and it's probably, I've probably seen more of it than I know. If I think back on, I am surprised by this. This is a very like surprising (laughs) turn. Listen, law and order in my time. Again, speaking of shows that have been the only show that's been on longer than supernatural is law and order. Um, or some version Original of it. Original Law and Order is still the best Law and Order, but yes, continue. Um, well, listen, I ride for Mariska has my heart always, so I always, I always love, really? I always love me some SVU. Um, mm. so, sidebar, back to early, you know, 
call back to earlier topics. Uh, definitely one of my favorite tweets from the election cycle was when Mariska Hargaday like ch- chided Trump on Twitter and somebody retweeted it with his precious law and order has turned against him. <laughs> um, but I remember checking out criminal intent and just being like, he's clearly not walking the same road. Most characters on television are. Yeah. So is he just a sociopath? Something in the way he interacts with everyone, but his like co-detective. Yeah, and I, I think I think from what I remember, and if you are a huge Criminal Intent fan, please correct me because this is <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about like with the first run in the series. This is what I remember from this is that was quite a while ago that there was an episode where it was either like his his therapist or his doctor or someone in his life as a young man was ba- in the way that. Um, uh, oh, I can't remember what that show was called now. Uh, Dexter. In the way that, like, Dexter was a um, murderous psychopath who, like, murdered other psychopaths. Mm. That D'Onofrio was basically had a... He fit the profile. Yeah, and so instead of just, like, letting him go on his way they caught it early they sort of explained to him his disconnection from people and how he could sort of channel that to almost understand criminals intent and the criminal mind a little bit better he the characters in ways like you described is almost has a bit of that um savantness to them Mm. he seems to speak multiple languages and like knows a lot about lots of different subjects um also I think it's really funny because instead of being like a pretentious asshole, like say Sherlock, the Sherlock character from the show, Sherlock, um, he kind of just says stuff and his partner like rolls her eyes. Um, or there was like a classic Law and Order line from one of the episodes I watched where uh, he said something like, "Oh, what is?" She says like, "What is that?" And he's like, "Oh, it's a scale." And She's like, oh, she must have been eaten by a shark or, or attacked by a shark. And he just goes, without even, like, thinking about it, goes, sharks don't have scales. And she just does this eye roll that's just, like, epic. And that's how people will interact with those types of characters, I think, a little more accurately. I mean, he's still a character that you probably don't come across. But again, from what I remember, I believe he might be based on a real character, mm. like a real person um, a real detective. Again, Law and Order is very loosely based on a lot of things. They always say at the beginning, this is not based on any type of case, but it always is. <laughs> You're always like, oh yeah, I remember that case from the 90s. Um, so yeah, so I really enjoy what happens, but I think it's definitely for a certain audience, don't expect regular Law and Order. You still get a lot of the process, um, but they also have an amazing... Um, uh, prosecutor. Um, he's he's very suave. I can't remember the actor's name, um, but he's very cool as well. Well, all you right. still get that balance. <laughs> classic, classic A and E. Day off from school. Oh yeah. Fair with the Law and Order. Yeah. You want to talk about a good wallpaper show? Like, damn. Just let that shit roll over. Man, uh, I got so much typing done. 
I don't really have anything by way of updates because I spent most of my time hitting refresh on Twitter trending and the New York Times homepage. Um, I will, I do want to shout out, and this has been a long time, uh, staple of my media diet. I do need to shout out Seth Meyers, who is really kind of unsung, I feel like, in the late night landscape. I don't think, I don't know that he gets the level of shine that he deserves. He's never had like some sort of breakout bit like carpool karaoke or like viral video games or stuff like that. Like he's a really like straightforward personality. Like Mm -hmm. he's a comedian in a classic sense. And he basically realized early on that he did, he was not good at even like standing up and delivering a monologue. Like he goes to the desk immediately. Like he might even start at the desk. I I only ever watch him on YouTube. So I don't know. And one of the things he would do are these like, kind of like, john oliver light uh segments called a closer look and honestly it was 90 percent of my news intake in the which is not great but i mean i'd give me my you know axio style like dribble of news catch me up to what's been again and maybe this contributed to uh you know my general anxiety over the last four years and why i woke up every day with like what the fuck did he do now? Because the first thing I would do is open YouTube and Seth Meyers would tell me what he did that day. Um, yeah. But he's just so funny. I mean, he he gave us Amber Ruffin. Let's never forget. Like, Oh, we will never forget. <laughs> Amber says what? Started on the Seth Meyers show. Um, and he, like, has writers on. Like, he, he, has con- he had Brian Michael Bendis on his show once. Like, he's a giant comic nerd. And I think his profile picture is, like, him drawn as the Blue Beetle by Kevin McGuire. Like... That's amazing. Yeah, he's that dude. We would really get along with Seth Meyers, I feel like. Um, he's just, I think he's a great example of a guy who has, you know, benefited from his privilege. He's very talented, but he knows he's benefited from his privilege and is using his privilege to elevate other people. Um, and I think that's really great. And he had an awesome line on his last bit where he was talking about um, he's gotten so loose post pandemic. Like, when he was doing the show, like, in his attic, that was amazing. And yeah. now he's back in the studio. And But he still has, like, a, a plaid top on. Oh, yeah. He never wears a suit. And it's, like, him and, like, the cue card guy and one cameraman and a producer, like, in the studio. And he's constantly Which talking. I love to hear. I love to hear when they laugh. And like, when he does a bit and they just <laughs> he points, in the background. He's like, that, that bit's for Shoemaker. And he, like, points, at the, <laughs> points off camera. He had this bit about, like, I don't know why you expect the vote in Alaska to be moving faster. They get their mail by Malamute. Yeah. <laughs> it had like a little graphic of a dog with an envelope in his mouth. And then he just stopped. And he's like, that just sounds like a beastie boys lyric. Oh, well, that was so good. <laughs> I get my mail by yeah, Malamute. <laughs> yeah, really and I good. fucking died. And then he randomly did one again later in the segment that I think was yeah. just popped into his head. And he'll just sit there and laugh at his own joke for like 90 seconds. <laughs> yeah. He's great. Yeah, he's kind of delightful. He's great. I have loved him. When I went on a, uh, when I really did Just for Laughs here in Toronto a few years ago, he was my chosen headliner, and he was just, he, he crushed it. He crushed it as just like a traditional, like, set-up punchline um, comedian. And I definitely have to, uh, I know he's got a special somewhere on Netflix, and you really need to look that up and just check that out. I think it's called Lobby Baby, about <laughs> when his wife gave birth in a lobby. Um, which is a true story that happened to him. Uh, yeah. 
look up Seth Meyers just even as an interviewer, the people he talks to. He doesn't do like you know viral video bits. He's not playing games with celebrities or any of that. He's just he's just a chill hang and fun and really smart and really funny. So yeah, respect for that. Um, Dave on SNL. I was just watching this morning. Um, I mean SNL is SNL at this point. Don't expect anything. Expect to smirk, but not laugh. That's kind of what I expect out of SNL at this point. Um, right. And the only other thing I watched was uh, your boy Mando. Mando. Mando! <laughs> Again. We'll never get old. I will just always. We'll never get old. I've, no. The drop is going. I have the drop now. It's going in every episode we talk about it. Again, nothing really happened. Also, Baby Yoda, stop being a dick. <laughs> I was like, maybe stop one. eating her babies. Stop. stop. Maybe one because he's a baby and he doesn't know any better. <laughs> but like, I'm like, or maybe you do that funny thing where he tries to get at them the entire episode, right. and at the very end he has one. But that one's like his eighth. He's had like eight unfertile. Like we eat eggs all the time. Yes, but this lady has legitimately been like, I don't eat them in front of the chicken. Like, <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, also, it's really messed up. When you watch with subtitles, it's amazing because <laughs> the subtitle. Whenever uh, I didn't know she was a frog, I thought she was a lizard. Every time she spoke, it would just say "speaking frog." Yeah. Thank you, closed captioners. Uh, yeah, just baby Yoda, stop being a jerk. Also, Appa, good to see you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, y'all. Uh, we, nice. we talked. We talked about Kim's convenience a couple weeks ago, and the the actor who plays Appa on Kim's Convenience was the one of the X-Wing pilots on the episode of Mandalorian this week. I don't know how that happened, but that's, shouts to him. That's the father, that, by the way. Sorry, yes, Appa. Don't know who Appa is Korean, Appa is Korean term for father. Um, yeah, I mean, again, did we really advance anything? Uh, I guess. He's got a lead on some Mandalorians, maybe? The show, the show is sort of, it is doing the, like, Monster of the Week thing, but it's also... I think more strongly having a, a a narrative about like where he's like how he's getting to other places whereas before he would just like show up to a place mm. and be like I'm here to do this job or I'm here to deliver these people or whatever you don't you didn't always know like how he got there um this has been much more about like instead of getting to that leaving one planet and getting to that other planet um, in one episode, it's going to take some time. I did like um, the sort of mundane aspect of, you know, what space travel actually entails. Yeah. Cause that was always, you know, every time, and this is why lower decks was so dope. Every time they would like, okay, we set course for wherever. And then it would just cut. It's like, well, it took you like a day and a half to get there. What were you doing that entire time? I just want to see you hang out. Mm -hmm. Like you got a bit of that hang. It's like, you can't use, you know, you can't go to warp or what do they call it? Lightspeed hyper, whatever they call it. Um, whatever the yeah. word for it is hyperdrive. in, in, uh, in Star Wars. Um, yes, you cannot go to hyperspace. You can fly, fly local, <laughs> like you're on a Cessna or something. And it's like, cool. Well, this is going to take forever. <laughs> um, do you want to know how hyperspace works? I absolutely do not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you folding space? Is that what they call it? Folding and other things? Um, well, they have these, like... Don't pout. Don't that... pout. Tell me how okay, hyperspace no, works. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Because from, like, there's basically these 
almost like hyper roads you can take to get places. Um, like wormholes? That'll take you close to a place. No, it's just like, it's like a hyper highway. Um, and they like, I think they're like hyperwave beacons or something. Anyways, it'll like take you. So in all the regular regions, you can like hop to one planet to another. But sometimes you have to go to a couple different stops. Like you have to jump a couple times. And then in the outer reaches, the reason it takes so long to get there in the outer reaches is because they don't have those like hyperdrive highway things. Anyways, I just thought that was interesting. It's like the gates in Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Like little toll roads that you jump into. Yeah. And it zips you along. Yeah. My God, what if Cowboy Bebop and Star Wars take place in the same universe? What? (gasps) What? (laughs) Anyway, friends, late week, late week for updates. Because it was mostly just, you know. YouTube videos on election coverage. I don't know. This is this is a pretty beefy first half. <laughs> there, there may be, there we may, have a lot to talk about. There may be some chopping. We'll see. But we know that's not why you're here. You're here for the buffet that we are serving for you. And on that buffet is crap. Oh, my gosh. And we are bringing it to you when we come back from this break. each other and because it is november crapathon we have brought each other crap crappy movies but before we talk about those crappy movies we have to talk about the rules we do the rule of three is if this thing comes in parts you will watch three of them but it doesn't because they're movies because that's usually what we do for crapathon so it doesn't apply irrelevant the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod, but that does apply because it means that we will not talk about the things that we brought each other until we are in front of these microphones because we want you to have the hottest of takes on stuff that's old and crappy. Did Kate even find this movie? No, not until I gave her a link on Saturday night. No, I've been looking for it for two days. <laughs> Third rule not really rule more of a policy there will be spoilers we can't really spoil these things because they're terrible and old but if you're like then go away (laughs) yes just go away we like to alternate so we're gonna start with the thing that i gave caitlin which is i don't know why i even saw this movie in the first place this might be another another relic of of pre-teen jordan's uh you know copious amounts of cable watching back mm-hmm. in the in the parents basement but for some reason it was embedded in my head and then when i needed to summon shitty things to give caitlin a man appeared first and that man was christian <laughs> slater and there were two movies <laughs> one movie we talked about about a month ago called pump up the volume which was not crappy or not crap crappy mm-hmm. not crap crappy the other movie was this movie and that's gleaming the cube. Gone from surfing to skateboarding, y'all. Yep. Gleaming the cube, also known as a brother's justice and skater die. I don't. Oh, and, and in the, there's another one. And in the Philippines as challenge to win again. Yes. Is a 1989 American film directed by Graham Clifford, who and starring Christian Slater as Brian Kelly, a 16 year old skateboarder investigating the death of his adopted Vietnamese brother. That's basically it. 
Um, skateboarders will solve crimes. Uh, notable at the time, I guess, when this come out, 89. So I guess this movie may have uh, come out at what would have been the first skateboarding surge of the late 80s. Young Tony Hawk was uh, ascending. He actually appears in this movie okay. as as one of uh, Christian Slater's crew. He drives uh, a Pizza Hut van. He does drive a Pizza Hut van. <laughs> There's so many dumb things about this movie that as a <laughs> as a preteen, uh, Caitlin, I'm here to tell you. All I wanted in life, the coolest thing I had ever seen in my fucking life was a bedroom buried in the backyard. Right. When they went out oh and post unscrewed that like manhole cover <laughs> in the dude's backyard and went down a ladder through a chute into this like, you know, bomb shelter, converted bomb shelter. I was like, all I want is that. Yeah. Oh, that's the Agreed. coolest thing I've ever seen. Guess what? It's still fucking cool. Basically, what's our plot? Who cares? Um, uh, Christian Slater plays a no-good Nick. He's not really a no-good Nick. He's pretty harmless. He just, you know, likes to skate. Skateboarding is not a crime, y'all. Skateboarding is not a crime. (laughs) You're a loser. You're a screw-up. I don't know how he got there, but he has an adopted Vietnamese brother named Vin, who is the good boy and does all the good boy things and discovers... I don't even know what they were trying to do, but discover some discrepancy at like the like Vietnamese cultural association he volunteers at. Um, I can fill in the blanks. Okay, because like, listen, the only copy of this movie that exists is like a 360p YouTube rip that <laughs> did not have subtitles, so there were definitely some details I I missed watching it on an actual television. Um, and yeah, basically, Vin gets killed accidentally. Should be said, they're just trying to threaten him because of this information that he's discovered he gets killed accidentally brian can't get over it believes there's foul play vin would never kill himself which is how it's been framed is that he has committed suicide but brian knows vin would never do that so he gathers <laughs> the sk- he doesn't really gather the skateboard posse till the end but with nothing more than a skateboard and determination and occasional help from scarface supporting actor detective lugero <laughs> tony montana's brother <laughs> Sets out to solve the crime of his brother's murder. That's basically it, Caitlin. Yeah. Tell me the stupidest parts of this movie you enjoyed. Okay. So, I, I, as I was watching this movie, I kind of kept on going back and forth to, like, what happened here? <laughs> what? <laughs> what happened? What I think happened was someone had a pretty good movie idea about a kid who is a little, like, rough around the edges, like you said, a no-good neck, um, who has to investigate the death of his adoptive brother that, like, people don't believe. Um, And that's, like, a pretty good premise for a film. And I think maybe it had to be, like, a, a film school project or something. And the teacher said... Yeah, but you got to, like, add something more to it. Or maybe they were in, like, a, you know, one of those famous Hollywood meetings and someone was like, okay, but, like, how are we going to make this cool? And someone was like, oh, well, my, like, 12-year-old, like, skateboards. (laughs) And then they decided to add skateboarding for, and I mean this, no good reason. How dare you. Into this film. Or someone at the same time 
um, was going to another meeting about a skateboard film, and they comically ran into each other, and their script pages got all messed up. And because <laughs> this film, this film has nothing to do with skateboarding. There is skateboarding in this film. <laughs> do you see the difference here? So there were there are times when like, you know, the Christian Slater character is like he's he's dealing with the breath of his uh, death of his brother, and he goes and does cool skateboard tricks that obviously aren't him. That's like one of the best parts. One of the best worst parts of the film is that. They use a double. I don't didn't expect Christian Slater to learn how to skateboard for the film, but just the double use in the eighties was not refined. Um, so like they, they would have if they had just kept him silhouetted in the dark doing the skateboard tricks, that'd be cool. But then they just had Christian Slater jumping up and down, <laughs> <laughs> interposed like these two shots. Oh, that killed me. That. That killed me. Um, but then there were weird parts of this film where I was like, that's actual, actually very forward thinking. <laughs> like, his adopted brother was from Vietnam. Um, he wasn't like a, I don't think like a, he didn't have a stereotypical Vietnamese accent. The love interest was Vietnamese. Um, I mean, little love interest. It wasn't, you know. They didn't go all the way in it. It was wasn't like, <laughs> Rip Vic, I'm making out with your brother now. Yeah, basically. Um, but anyway, so there was just these weird parts where, oh, okay. So then, so there were actually, like, good parts in this film, and that's also what made it really disorientating. Like, Christian Slater's <laughs> a good actor. But I think Christian Slater has also always been a 50-year-old smoker. <laughs> like, just, like, you're a bum, kid. Like, he just always has this pessimism they even say in the film like how did you get so pessimistic he's like 12 and he's like been hitting the whiskey like nobody should live for anything uh so but he uh, he is a good actor so there'd be moments where he's acting doing a good job and then there's moments where he flies through the air and skateboard punches the bad guy <laughs> who has his girlfriend hostage like this is the dichotomy we're dealing with here i was taken aback um, by there was one scene, so I don't know what message they were trying to send with, like, you know, he, he adjusts his look two-thirds through the movie. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's because yeah. he wants to uh, he wants to get close to the girlfriend, so because she suspects his fa- her father's involvement, and to look more respectable, he, like, you know, changes his clothes, changes his, you know, cuts some of the danker bits out of his hair. Um, looks like a typical, you know, and ends up looking like a typical cute acne commercial uh 80s teen and yeah but there's a scene where he's gone out maybe he's gone out uh, on a date or something with the with the uh brother's girlfriend and comes home and his father is watching like home movies and there's this scene that's actually kind of oh. well written between yeah. the father and christian slater where it's like you know the father's like we always thought vin was special because we chose him you know we said we chose him like and how did that make mm-hmm. you? How did that make you feel? Like the dad's like taking ownership of what he might have done to, you know, make Christian Slater such a no good Nick. 
And Christian Slater yeah. owns his own shit. And it's like, it's like, you know, you took me to Disneyland and I got kicked out for, you know, it was pissing on Donald Duck or something. Like, yeah, it was like pissing on the a statue of Donald Duck. He's like, like, I've always been a lot to handle. Kind of always, yeah, been this. <laughs> I've kind of always been a lot. Um, and that's just a really kind of well-written, like, it's like a fucking, like, David Mamet scene in the middle of this, like, stupid movie about skateboarding this teens. This is what I'm saying. And even the, like, plot about the older brother, so Vin, so what happens is he finds a discrepancy in the weight of the items being shipped. And what he thinks is that the shipping people are ripping off his boss, his girlfriend's dad. So he's like... Well, and then his girlfriend's dad basically, like, he pushes, and his girlfriend's dad is like, oh, no, he just, like, he fires them. He's like, you're doing a good job, but, like, let it go or whatever. We can't afford you. I can't remember what the reason was. And so Vin is like, no, they're ripping him off. I'm going to show him and then gets caught up when really the medical supplies, quote, unquote, that they're supposed to be shipping are actually arms. Right. And that's how he gets caught up, and that's what the whole thing is. That actually is pretty believable. Like, like. It wasn't the, the that crime part itself, the accidentally kill like murder of of Vin, like that is all believable. There there are some characters that are ridiculous, like the cop character. <laughs> um, but that's what's so weird about this film and why it feels like it's two films. But like even that have been crammed together. Even the fact that like it's the white guy who's the actual villainous person. It's not just, like, you know, evil foreigners. Like, even the, like, thug who ends up killing Vin, like, does it on accident. And when they come back in and see that he's, like, he's, like, he's, like, freaking out. He's, like, I don't know why this happened. I've done this a million times. Like, I don't know. that This shouldn't have happened. Like, he's freaking out. Like, it's not the Vietnamese people. And for a movie in 1989, like, that's really, like. That's the other thing. That's what I'm saying by, like, forward thinking, like, having these characters that are not just. Though, okay, sorry, they're not <laughs> typical, but playing the Asian-inspired music any time a Vietnamese person was on screen, that was a problem. I was like, whoa, 1983, calm down. Oh, this, this is who I am now? Racism. This is who I am now? Like when, so Christian Slater tracks the guy who he thinks was involved, the guy who ended up accidentally killing Vin. He's now feeling the pressure. He wants to hold up. Uh, the girlfriend's dad and the, the villainous white guy for like a flight out of out of the country and some money and stuff like that. And you know, scuffle ensues. He ends up getting killed. And Christian Slater is hiding in the back of his car, basically. And yeah. on the way out there, <laughs> the the you know thuggish fellow puts in a uh, cassette tape of Vietnamese versions of like Jackson Five songs. And I'm like, it was amazing. You know, those ever get pressed? Like. <laughs> Yeah, like, can, like, I find, can I find these, those? These like, are slapping. Like, these slap. Like, why is Christian Slater rolling his eyes? These are great. Like, these are fucking amazing. Calm, calm your tits, Christian Slater. Yeah, you are absolutely right. I think that's absolutely right. That, like, it's... Because, bear in mind, I, I only have, like... Before I rewatched it, I only had the vaguest recollections. I'd even forgotten that there was, like, the whole Vietnamese subplot in the entire movie. I just remembered uh, Super Skateboard and Bomb Shelter Bedroom. Those were, like, the only two things... <laughs> Hey, if you can only take away those, that's fine. <laughs> the fucking glow, the fucking like decal, the fly dragon decal he put on that skateboard. You know, they were like some dude, some Hollywood fixer in a boardroom was like, "I need the coolest skateboard you've ever seen." <laughs> yeah, give me the coolest skateboard. Also, Christian it, Slater, and- you would have died. 
so many times. Yes, so many times. Um, and also just like I should say that Christian Slater learned some skateboarding. I didn't know if he got hired because he knew a little skateboarding, but he he knew a little bit. But there would be times where you know they were just like do a trick, a necessary flip. Like I would just be like, you don't need this. Um, but also, I really wanted to see like a skateboard movie, but there was not one. There was just skateboards in this movie, which that movie, the other movie, was actually pretty well written. It was very strange, um, but also a delightful watch because there's so many moments where you're just like, huh, what? <laughs> what? Um, so, yeah, f- as far as punch kicks, this is like an 8 out of 10. Oh, oh. Yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. It was just fun. It wasn't very long. Um, there were so many ridiculous scenes when he goes through, like, the window. Okay, I, w- I was really hoping you were going to, like, bring that up because... <laughs> It's, we're leading up to the final showdown, and villainous white man and ex or girlfriend's dad are like arguing. Girlfriend's dad has come clean to girlfriend, being like, I've, "I've had enough of this. We're not doing this anymore." Type of thing, and a scuffle is ensuing. And Christian Slater knows he needs to stop this and play the hero by throwing himself through a window and just like passing out, <laughs> which never does anything. The the dad still gets shot. She still gets taken hostage. It does not do a thing. The cop shows up and he's just lying there, passed down on the ground. It's like, yo, you okay? Like, <laughs> yeah. Also, I've never forgotten that stupid bit about the door of the car getting snapped off and like. <laughs> oh my god! And the car, your your right door your right is a jar. Is a jar. I was like, are there, were cars like that in the eighties? Yes. Why don't we have that now? <laughs> um. Yeah. It was just such a stupid, but like fun stupid film that that's why it gets such a good like there was nothing there was not there was yeah there was no anger like the last week where i was like this is, no this is, <laughs> that was that was stupid angry i was like this is so stupid this made me angry uh, this was just like delightful and ridiculous I and mean, is only on youtube only on youtube look up gleaming the cube which is apparently not even it wasn't even slang. It was apparently one line that a skater said as a reporter in Thrasher magazine. And like that nobody has an answer to. Nope. Like nobody, nobody knows. doesn't mean anything. Kate, you ever gleam the cube, Kate? No. <laughs> I can safely say neither of us have ever I've never gleamed, gleamed the, the cube. cube. <laughs> oh fuck me. Moving on. Moving on. So, I can't compare to Jordan when it comes to crappy films. Stop that. We're gonna in get, we're gonna get into, we're gonna get into this. Stop that. Facebook messages. He was like, "It's not a competition," and I'm like, "Oh, my friend, that is where you are wrong." But I know I can't compete. So instead, I'm just gonna go with my original theme that I had in my head for this round of crapathon, which is ridiculous animal slash geological slash environmental catastrophe movies. Um, And when environmental catastrophic or catastrophe movies come to mind, there is one that I don't know. I I saw it on some sort of film channel (laughs) in the 90s, and it has always stuck with me. It is... The 1997 American disaster thriller film, Dante's Peak. 
Or, as I like to call it, if you did not already have a phobia of it, now you do. (laughs) The movie. This film is starring Pierce Brosnan, Linda Hamilton, Charles Hallahan, people you kind of have seen, but you you don't know. You said all all we care about. Yeah. Um, the fi- film is set in the fictional town of Dante's Peak, where the inhabitants uh, fight to survive a volcanic eruption from a long dormant strata strato volcano that has suddenly woken up. Um, the film was released, like I said, in 1997. Um, basically, in 1993, the USGS uh, volcanologist, Dr. Harriet Dalton, and his partner, Mary Ann, oh, this is like the beginning of the film, where him and his, basically his girlfriend, his wife, his fiance are running from a, a vol- volcano in Colombia and she dies. That's basically, I don't even think they needed it in this film. Took a fucking, rock, sure. took a fucking rock to the face, y'all. Rock, rock to the face. That will kill anyone. Um, four years later, Harry's assigned to, by his superior um, to investigate seismic activity near Dante's Peak, Washington, a town that borders a dormant stratovolcano, the same type, um, Harry arrives at the town and meets the mayor, Rachel Wando, played by Linda Hamilton, and her children, Graham and Lauren. This film, the reason I put it in the crappy, this, okay, (laughs) my brain hurts trying trying to talk about this film. This film, the reason it is in the crappy category, for me, I don't know what other critics say about it. I don't even know if it, like, made its budget back, basically, is because this film does some things that I'm like, oh, that's great, and then just some things that I'm like, wait, what the fuck? And then there's like a whole, I'm going to say two-thirds of the film is everything. <laughs> it's just everything. It's everything that you could be afraid of. And and it was funny because I looked up, because I was curious, some of the things that happen because of the volcano, and literally there's a, a volcanologist who, like, went through the film and was nice. like, this is this is everything that can happen with a volcano, and it doesn't make any sense that it's happening, like, for one volcano. Usually get, like, a couple of these, or this is how you'll get them. <laughs> so it's really everything. Um, and there's, like, certain scenes where you're like, what and certain uh it's just this this film gives me a headache that's what this film does it gives me a headache and so it's a also a weird mix of it's not necessarily bad acting um which some is reason for some you know uh november crapathon films it's just like the film itself has this weird imbalance um i really don't know what else i can say about this uh, I'm glad I rewatched it though, because there were definitely some things that I thought had happened that did not, um, and some that did that I'm so glad I saw again. Um, but enough about me talking about this, Jordan. What did you think about Dante's Peak? I don't know when the moment occurred to me in watching this film where I was like, I don't know what she's talking about. This movie <laughs> is a fucking amazing pile of steaming crap it is fantastic garbage oh i'm so top glad sh- you feel that top way. fucking shelf garbage you tried to make jaws with a volcano yes 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 that's it that is it because oh my god <laughs> 
The problem is a volcano doesn't have free will or instincts. It's just a volcano. Yeah. So it was the second we got the fucking young lovers boiling alive in the hot spring. <laughs> At the first start of the movie, and Pierce Brosnan, who, by the way, what is that dude up to? Why is he still considered him? Why isn't he a movie star today? Like, what happened to Pierce Brosnan? Where are you at? Where are you at, homie? Like, he's just retired. Like, is he? he does some stuff. Tragic. Yeah, he, he ended up in. A, he's in a couple movies. Oh, he was in Mamma Mia. He was one of the. He was one of the. Yeah, um, yeah. One of the paramours in Mamma Mia. But he Mia. also has an amazing. He's gonna done an amazing thing and gone like gray white. He looks he? like. He he just looks it's gorgeous. Oh, I don't think I'm ready for that. <laughs> yeah, you're not. And he's in like a bunch of he's about to be in a bunch of films, so he'll be fine. I feel like he's probably like one of those like UK actors who like maybe doesn't do Hollywood movies anymore, but is in like every period drama that airs on, you know, Masterpiece <laughs> Theater over in the fucking, you know, United Kingdom. Anyway, Amazing. you forget he was James Bond. Like the guy what you're a geologist? You're not a geologist. You would have been too cool in high school to be a geologist. Shut the fuck up. Um <laughs> uh, no, no, he's a volcanologist. Volcanologist. Down to the fucking, like, he wants everybody in the town. We got to get out. This town's got to go on alert. This, volcano, right? could, this okay. volcano could blow. And then, like, the fucking mayor from Jaws comes in, but it's not the mayor from Jaws. It's his boss who is like, who's like, I'm not going to panic an entire town of people for something that may not happen. Like, there are delicate so, politics and economics involved here. Like, because there's some some is, investor is, who wants thing. to invest in the town. And if they... if, he, if he, thing, Jordan. <laughs> yes, Caitlin. Jordan, that happened. That was based on real life. What? Yes. Shut your mouth. based on some volcanologists from the Government Association of Geology, blah, blah, blah. They came in. They were like, oh, we want to put the town on alert because the volcano could go off. They lost all this investment. The town became like a ghost town. It got bankrupt, and the volcano didn't explode. So, like, there are things, there are things that are like someone researched something. But then they did, like, too much research. Caitlin is very right in the sense that, like, the last third of the movie, everything happens. Everything. Like, first, first of all, I don't even, oh, I don't even know. I don't even know. Ruth? Oh, Ruth. Calm your tits, Ruth. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? <laughs> like, Ruth is the grandma. <laughs> Ruth is the Chekhov's grandma you meet early in the movie. Who, like... <laughs> who, like, you know, when shit seems like it's gonna go tits up, it's like, Ruth ain't coming down off the mountain. Man, this is my mountain. I built this when... Man, man, man. And Ruth is the, the mother-in-law. The father of Linda Hamilton's kids. <laughs> the father of Sarah Connor's kids are, like, gone. You never see him. He's mentioned, like, once or twice, but... But she still has a relationship with the ex-husband's mom. And the grandkids love her type of thing. She's, you know, one of these, like, you know, rugged, cool grandmas type of thing. But she ain't she ain't coming down off the mountain. She doesn't believe all this, this hokum. So the kids steal a truck yeah. and drive up to go get her. And at one point, the, like, seven-year-old daughter turns to the, like, 11-year-old brother. And is like, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. You think, fucko? Like, like pouring down in you, front of them. You don't even know how to turn the windshield wipers on faster to clear off the ash raining down on you. Maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Maybe Ruth is not long for this world. But Ruth is a little longer for this world because they go to fucking get her. Ash is raining from the sky. They have a beautiful moment where they like, you know, look at old photos or something. Or she's like looking at old photos and Linda Hamilton's like, Ruth, woman, we don't have time for this. Um, 
And then they step out the door and lava is pouring through the fucking (laughs) fire escape. Caitlin, the howl I let out at that moment, I was like, fuck (laughs) yes, let's go. (laughs) Let's go with the fucking lava. And then it only gets better because, okay, so the lava is raining down through the house obviously driving is not a thing that's going to happen ruth has a boat yeah. let's get in the boat and they're going along and they yeah. notice all the fish are dying i didn't know that volcanoes could make lakes acid yes they can actually that is another real thing so the volcano has made the lake acid the fish are all dying and slowly like steam is <laughs> coming up from the boat because as linda hamilton helpfully points out acid melts <laughs> steel Thank you, Mr. Wizard. That's very helpful. (laughs) So now they're, like, going along in the boat, singing Row Your Boat, as the boat is slowly melting because they're trying to keep the children. Also, Pierce Brosnan, I mean, shouts to you, you wonderful man. Just complete total investment in this this woman's children, like, immediately, upon first meeting. (laughs) He's the Joe Biden of Vulcanologists. Um, (laughs) They're singing Row Row Your Boat. I'm making up my own lyrics (laughs) as they're singing (laughs) gently down the street. Merrily, 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 merrily. Acid makes you scream. Um... (laughs) Off they go <laughs> to ultimately Ruth's grandsack. <laughs> Ruth's grand sacrifice for her fucking family. Where I don't, I, I, I like it. Listen, I was also multitasking while this was on because that's the beauty of films that are in English is I can you know, tidy and do the dishes and whatnot. So I don't know why they weren't quite going to make it to the dock. The, the, the propeller broke. Propeller. The propeller stopped working. Oh my God. How are they going to get the boat to the dock? The. <laughs> The lake is becoming acidic. Ruth is like, fuck it. Jumps in and pulls the boat. <laughs> literally screaming at the television. My impression of Dave Chappelle as Rick James going, Ah, oh, my legs, Charlie Murphy. <laughs> What'd you do to my legs, Acid Lake? <laughs> Fucking dying. Dying. That's not even the part I love the most. So while this is all happening, we're getting Ruth off the fucking mountain. In the town, they're eva- this briefly alluded to that the National Guard has come in. They're moving the town out. All of Pierce Brosnan's, you know, co-workers and these people who have, like, you know, like, at most collectively 45 seconds of screen time. They're trying to get out. And, and what's the name? Phil? <laughs> Paul? Phil? His boss? It's, there's something like that. Yeah. I think it's Phil. The bridge is going out. A dam has bur- burst. I believe that's what happened. Um, yeah, so that's also a thing that can happen <laughs> with how, volcanoes. How deep did you go on this fucking volcanology deep dive of yours? <laughs> the bridge has gone out. Phil's, oh, I'm just going to call him Phil. Fuck whatever his name is. Phil is like trying to get out of the van. The van's not going to make it. Phil's crawling out of the van. He's climbing up the bridge and he stops and looks at his coworkers. And it's clear my man's is going down. Caitlin, they, the bridge goes that. over. And they put in a fucking Wilhelm scream. Fucking Wilhelm. That's ex- literally word for word what what senior correspondent Chris said. He's like, they gave him a fucking they Wilhelm. They put a fucking Wilhelm scream into it, and you know there is no next to Alan Smithy. There is no better shorthand for what the makers of a movie think about the movie they have made than by putting in a fucking Wilhelm scream. I was delighted. I don't even care about what happened in the rest of this movie. 
whatever. There's like a scene that the kids get. How do the kids even get? No, they all end up in this mine or something. And they've got some. He goes back for this NASA beacon that's going to signal where they are. Like (laughs) That thing. Okay. That thing that happens where the, the volcanic cloud there's actually a name for it i forget the name the name was ridiculous i can't remember the name but the name was ridiculous but it rushes towards or expands out that is a thing that happens however it moves at the speed of sound (laughs) so if you're telling me a pickup without wheels could possibly outrun this volcanic cloud no and like that's it's just like this is the thing it just like it is one more so then they get into the the mine and then there's the mine basically the entire mine falls on pierce brosnan as he's trying to get this oh he forgets the beacon has to go back to the beacon and the entire mine falls. Mine collapses while he's in the truck and then the best thing when one of the like his his uh co-workers is like this beacon light how long has it been flashing for? And the guy's like, oh, I don't know, one or two days. <laughs> I, like, lost my shit because I forgot that. And, yes, other things I need to mention really quickly. The thing that bugged me the most about the film is that Pierce Brosnan comes in because his boss has asked him to. Right, Brosnan, right. I'm pretty sure that Go like, in. we need to put the town on alert. His boss comes in and goes, we're not going to do that. I did that once. It bankrupt the town. Okay, fine. Then... The Pierce Brosnan they... even says, it's like, he didn't want to go in the first place. Yeah, he was on fucking he's vacation. Like, he's like, you called, me in, like, you called me in for this. Yeah. I did it. Now this is what I'm telling you. Well, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Go home. You're on vacation. <laughs> you're, you're suspended, yeah. McGillicuddy. It's like, you fucking brought then, me here. And then when he has the proof that, like, when they, you know, the water is all, like, weird and acidic and stuff, or, or smells like sulfur. He has the proof. He brings it to his boss. They have a fucking town meeting! They don't rush to put people on alert like they said they were going to do. Like, even his boss was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> I was like, a town meeting? This is not time for town meetings. This is time for let's get the fuck out of here. That, like, totally what, makes me want to rip my hair what out. What do white people have against science? evacuating science and evacuating towns? Whether, or like, you know, whether it's coronavirus, bats, a volcano, they just, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. They like, just don't I'm going to get melted by this lava. I'm going to get coronavirus. I'm going to have a bat eat my face. Like, it's just. <laughs> I don't care. I'm in Texas. I don't care. <laughs> I'm in Washington. I don't care. God. Also, the theme of this is at least one person in the film, of every film I'll give you, I think is going to have to say, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, oh my god, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because when it <laughs> happened, I screamed again, and I was like, fucking every movie in the 90s, every movie in made every... in 1999, somebody said, Houston, yeah. we have a problem. Oh my yeah. god. But that's that's the thing. Like, they try to do this whole Jaws thing with, like... Well, is the volcano really acting up or is it obviously, you know, you paid your ticket to Dante's Peak, you know, the volcano is going to go off. But like they, they try to work suspense with a volcano for a while <laughs> until ultimately lava is melting Ruth's house. Um, so, I mean, this is why I'm refuting everything you said about like 
I'm delighted you enjoyed Gleaming the Cube as much as you did, but as far as like what was yeah. the better slice of trash, it is this by a mile. <gasps> by oh a my God, fucking so mile. Like, <laughs> like, it's like an eight and a half. Like, I was just delighted the whole time oh with God. the level of garbage this was. Like, this is pristine, <laughs> late 90s disaster porn garbage. This is the day after tomorrow. <laughs> this is deep impact. This is all that mess. I don't know what. I think I just have a soft spot for like calamity movies, like disaster movies. I don't know why, but that's, that's good because I am. I got some. <laughs> so you, you got, I got, you got locked you. and loaded. So oh, yeah. yeah, this is on Amazon Prime. I highly recommend you watch it. And this concludes another fantastic episode of November Crapathon. I got a hard out. I got to work this afternoon. Who cares? Just spend. If you don't have to work today. Spend your afternoon watching Dante's Peak. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. And I thank you, Caitlin. I thank you for bringing this delicious pile, this delicious shit sandwich served so with a nice garnage of, of piss. <laughs> it's just fantastic. <laughs> that's the point of Crapathon. If you're watching it and it's bad, but you're loving how bad it is, like that's, that's, what, that's the guiding principle here. So we will bring you more of that next week. Again, if you have any suggestions of things maybe we're not thinking of, just right in front of our face, and we haven't thought of it yet, get at us on Twitter. Hit, up off Twitter. Hit us with those suggestions. Explain to us what Distill is, and we'll be back next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Rest in peace to the god Alex Trebek. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Kate McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser, and I hope you will join us next week for another great episode of the Geek Down Podcast. And here's the other hold thing. Hold on, mm. hold on, hold on. <coughs> right. Why am I fucking ear? Oh, Flemmy, I'm so sorry. <laughs>